Welcome to the Crown City Podcast. I'm your host, James DiPietro. This is a show that explores the people and places that make our neighborhoods our home. On this episode, I have a very special guest. Melissa Wolf Hager is the founder and principal instructor at Goldline Pilates, an intimate health and wellness studio opened in 2016 and located on Arroyo Parkway. On March 15, 2020, the stay-at-home mandate went into effect, and like many other businesses, Goldline Pilates was forced to close as COVID rates surged around the country. While extremely difficult, Melissa knew this was the right decision because, as you will hear, her concern for her client's health was greater than her studio's. After months of lockdown, Melissa got creative and reopened her business offering classes outdoors in her parking lot. Last month, when California officially lifted many of its COVID restrictions, Goldline Pilates packed up its tent and reopened their indoor studio to their clients. Melissa's determination to keep her business open during such a challenging time is a reflection of her dedication and her approach to service. She's originally from Phoenix and attended Arizona State University. From there, she worked in the hospitality industry in Colorado and the tech industry in Austin and the San Francisco area. In an inspiring turn, Melissa and her husband sold everything, bought a boat, and sailed around the world for eight years. While docked in Singapore waiting for pirate activity to die down off the African coast, true story, she enrolled in a Pilates instructor course, and when they finally came back to the U.S., she worked at Equinox before opening Goldline Pilates with the goal to become Pasadena's premier studio. I really enjoy this conversation as it highlights Melissa's philosophy on life, her passion of being a small business owner, and her love of Pasadena. So without further delay, my conversation with Melissa Wolf Hager of Goldline Pilates. Melissa, thank you very much for coming on the show. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So before we talk about Goldline Pilates, can you share a little bit more about your background? Because you have an incredible bio. <laughs> well, uh, I've done a lot of things, James, many, many things worn many, many hats. So, uh, you know, I worked hard to be a conventional person for a long time with kind of a conventional life. And, uh, you know, I was successful in a couple of different jobs in a couple of different areas. And, you know, at some point I just thought, well, have I arrived? Is this it? And, uh, my husband and I were living in Orange County at the time, and I got laid off from a job that I had had for 15 years in um, public relations and uh, analyst relations. And I thought, you know what? This was deeply unsatisfying. So uh, maybe we should try something a little bit different. So uh, my husband was a lawyer at the time. And of course, so he was obviously disgruntled as well. <laughs> Don't know many, you know, uh, professionally satisfied lawyers at this point, but that's okay. And so we decided to do something really different. So we sold everything that we owned and we bought a boat in Florida and we shoved off and sailed around the world. And originally we kind of thought we'd be gone for, I don't know, say three years or so. And it just kind of extended and extended and extended, and we enjoyed it more than we thought we would, and we found locations where we thought we could spend more time in, and it just ended up going on for eight years. That's incredible. And you've worked in the hospitality industry. You've been involved with startups, IT research. You sailed around the world and then started your own business from your passion for health and wellness. Who were some of your early influences, either personally or professionally, that encouraged you on your journey? So, you know, it's interesting. I have um, I've worked particularly in health and wellness, not worked, but I've been involved in health and wellness for a long time. So I was kind of a, you know, weekend warrior where I kind of ran marathons and, you know, did Bikram yoga and lots of intense kind of challenging physical pursuits and things like this. I was never kind of just like a jog around the block kind of person. I was kind of a go big or go home kind of person. You know, why do a little bit of, you know, easy yoga or stretch? yoga when you can do Bikram yoga. And I did the instructor training for that. So I kind of I had a lot of instructors along the way and a lot of people that, um, you know, I ran with that 
kind of influenced me to kind of, you know, go big or go home. But then, you know, in my 30s and 40s, I started to feel a little bit more broken down. And that's kind of, you know, when I turned to Pilates. And when I turned to Pilates, I met a lot of really great mentors, people that were kind of like me who, you know, originally were kind of physical and beaten up. A lot of um, former professional dancers, boy, I'm telling you, if you want to see a beaten up body, go talk to a dancer. So... So a lot of those guys, master trainers, instructor trainers, people, longtime Pilates practitioners who just um, had a lot of influence on me to, you know, kind of treat your body more nicely (laughs) and to try to, you know, participate in something or practice a, a smarter kind of exercise that isn't just kind of throwing your body all around, you know, like a crazy person. So, you know, Pilates is much more controlled and it's much, um, much more intentional, much more thoughtful and kind of works towards greater goals. You know, the idea of core strength is a really big deal to make sure that you're, you're really moving from core strength all the time. And kind of, instead of moving from the limbs in, you kind of move from the trunk out. And so I would say a lot of those um, kinds of master trainers and instructor trainers back in the day were big influences on me. I felt like they were not only like kind of therapists, but they were also like physical therapists and, you know, almost like a chiropractor, almost like a body worker, almost like, you know, kind of a, you know, movers that kind of lead you your body in the right direction. So I think that's a good segue into talking about goal line. The story goes that you enrolled in a Pilates instructor class while you were docked in Singapore. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And you became a certified Pilates instructor and you taught classes at Equinox Pasadena. I sure did. Mm -hmm. And then decided to open up your own studio in 2016. So why did you first want to become an instructor? Well, it's a bit, some of it has to do with timing, right? Doesn't it always, James, really? (laughs) Has to do with timing. So uh, my husband and I, Andy, had been sailing our boat for quite some time. And we got all the way around the world to Singapore, which is about two thirds away around the world if you're doing a circumnavigation on a sailboat. And once we were in Singapore, we were about to, we're making plans to shove off and, you know, go to Thailand and to go to Sri Lanka and to go to India, cross the Indian Ocean, turn right and head towards the Suez Canal. Well, unfortunately, during that time was when the Somali pirates were really exploding off of the coast of Africa. And it became a very dangerous place to kind of uh, sail a boat. So we docked in Singapore because it's, you know, really, uh, uh, Singapore is a lovely location, you know, very first world, uh, super, super civilized, lots of uh, uh, services, especially for boats. And so we kind of tucked in there for a while to kind of see if, you know, the pirate situation would kind of settle down before we decided to cross the Indian Ocean and um, head off towards Suez. In some ways, I kind of like to joke that we thought we'd just sit there for, you know, three or four months and, you know, hope for world peace, you know, any day now, any day now, still waiting. (laughs) And so at that point, I was looking for something to do. I had been a longtime Pilates practitioner and I thought, you know, this might be a good opportunity to really dive deep into Pilates. And Singapore has a couple of really terrific instructor trainer schools and a couple of wonderful world-class master trainers for sure. And um, so I decided to dive deep and get into it. And then, of course, we were there for a couple of months. We did not get the world peace we were hoping for. <laughs> still waiting, still waiting. So we ended up staying there for quite some time, almost two years. And uh, I taught Pilates at a studio there, which was very, very interesting, really diverse, um, diverse population in Singapore, international population in Singapore. And uh, I learned a lot. So when I came back and worked for for Equinox, I felt like I was really well suited to kind of just dive right in and build a clientele. And, um, you know, I liked Equinox quite a lot. Um, again, pretty diverse clientele, a lot of different kinds of um, of, uh, of people, you know. I've got, like, young people who are strong and fit who run on the treadmill longer than I ever have. And, <laughs> and then, you know, uh, weightlifters and, you know, again, you're kind of weekend warrior types and 
stuff like this. And I gained a lot of knowledge kind of of our local population as well, which was great. And then when I opened my own business, I just, you know, it's just one of those things, James, where you just think to yourself, I just feel like I could do this better. You know, I just feel like I could put together a studio with like, um, you know, a bunch of like minded people and uh, more instructors and more clients and just put together a nice like minded community to just focus on the Pilates. When you created Goldline, how did you want it to be different from the other places that you practiced at and that you've worked at? Well, I think there are a lot of Pilates studios. Look, no one ever got rich owning a Pilates studio. And I do not think I'm under, I'm not under any illusion that I'll be the first. (laughs) But, you know, I think a lot of these, a lot of Pilates studios and a lot of Pilates studios inside big box gyms are looking at clientele from um, a a money kind of standpoint. You know, how many times did you come? Uh, What is your renewal rate? You know, things like this, these kinds of metrics. And I just thought, you know, Pilates isn't really suited for those kinds of metrics. I mean, obviously I have to make money and pay the bills like, like everybody else, of course. But like, you know, for Pilates, I want your back to feel better. I want your running to feel stronger. I want your golf game to get better. I want you to be able to, you know, bend at the waist and pick your kid up off the floor. So, you know, some of those metrics were a little more important to me. And I wanted to kind of create a space where we could really focus on those kinds of things and the Pilates um, rather than renewal rates and, you know, making sure this person comes twice a week or three times a week or, you know, and that's not to say that I don't look at those metrics because, of course, I do. Um, And obviously, you know, consistency is key to a good Pilates practice as well. But I didn't want the kind of financial concerns to be the primary priority. Goldline is a very intimate studio, and I think you've kind of created a community around that, which is really enviable. And because of this intimacy, you can kind of focus more on a client's individual needs as opposed to a big class, like you said, in, in a big box gym. Why is this approach so important and how does the small setting benefit your clients? Well, you know, we have we have a lot of different kinds of instructors and basically Pilates is really for everybody. You know, if you take a private Pilates class, I, you know, my instructors and myself are looking at your body and deciding what it needs and what it should do at any given moment. You know what I mean? So we really do, you know, everyone has kind of different posture types, different lifestyles, different experiences, fitness levels, injuries, whatever, challenges, whatever. But um, and so working on one on one and in these smaller kind of group settings really um, allows us to focus on the exercises that are best suited for your particular circumstances or condition really on any given day. So, you know, that's that's really that's really the difference, right, is that I can look at you and I can say, change this, change that. Or maybe you come in one day, we had a plan set for you, and you say, you know what, Melissa, I slept wrong on my neck last night, or I overdid it at CrossFit yesterday, and we change it up, and we, you know, make sure that you spend the hour doing the things that are the most applicable to you at, at on that day. You know, you talk about your group classes. How big of a group class are we talking about? Right. So the group classes at the moment are no more than six people. Yeah, which is a small group. That is a small group. It is a small group. And the reason that it is the small group is that, you know, everyone gets their own apparatus, you know, and it is kind of um, it is kind of a proprietary piece of equipment that is difficult to operate. So it's not just like walking up to a treadmill, turning it on and kind of, you know, rinse and repeat. Right. It's, <laughs> it takes some it takes it takes some getting used to and it takes some. Um, you know, different kinds of settings to, to make it do the things that you want it to do. So it's a uh, not necessarily an intuitive apparatus. So we try to keep it small just to make sure that, you know, the instructor is, uh, isn't stretched too thin to make sure that everyone is kind of, you know, getting the kinds of, um, the kinds of hands-on or one-on-one help that they require. Pilates is a low-impact form of exercise. In this way, it is more designed for muscular strength, control, balance, and conditioning. How does Pilates differ from other forms of low-impact exercise, such as yoga, and what are its advantages? 
Sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny. There are a lot of benefits in common between yoga and Pilates. I think sometimes when people talk about yoga and Pilates in the same context, they say that one way that yoga differs from Pilates is that it's more mindful and more meditative. And, you know, I got to say, I find that to be very unusual. I think Pilates is very mindful and meditative. And so is yoga. And, you know, maybe you know, maybe not in exactly the same way, but, you know, in similar ways. I'm a huge yoga person. I love going to yoga. I honestly think that yoga and Pilates really complement each other quite a lot. So, but, you know, for Pilates, I mean, if we kind of have to boil it down to the, to the most simplest definition, uh, in Pilates, we kind of believe that every activity, every movement, every action that you partake in should originate from core strength. So, you know, we do leg exercises, we do arm exercises, we do butt exercises, we do back exercises, whatever. But first and foremost, we want to make sure that everything is originating with core strength. So, you know, I'm always looking at you and making sure, looking at clients and making sure that your body and your uh, your skeleton and your muscles are always in the perfect alignment and the formation to ensure a really strong and efficient core connection for any particular movement that we're going to perform. You mentioned in some of the notes that we shared beforehand that you have clients of all kinds. You have men, women, young, old, and even some muscle men is the phrase that you used, <laughs> which I thought was great. Yeah, yeah. Is there a typical Pilates student, do you think? Or is what makes it so appealing is that it attracts all different kinds of people? And I asked that trying to get to know Pilates a little bit better, but also from my, myself, because when I picture a perfect Pilates student, not being, not ever having done it before, I don't think of myself, for example, uh, because it, it looks intimidating and not for me. But at the same time, I am over 40. My core strength has always been a problem. My posture has always been a, an issue. And uh, last summer, I was diagnosed with scoliosis. Wow, okay. And so I think on, on one hand, I'm like, there's no way Pilates is for me. But on the other hand, it sounds like I would be the perfect person to benefit from Pilates. So is there is there a typical student? You know, I think a typical student is just somebody who wants to work on their body. You know, if you want to go outside and do a bunch of jumping jacks and burpees and push-ups, you know, that's one thing. But if you want to come into my studio and learn about how your spine moves and how your core moves and what the relationship is between your pelvis and your lumbar and what the relationship is between your rib cage and your thoracic spine, you know, things like that. I think it's just, you know, and there are a lot of people that really, you know, are strong and fit and flexible and aren't experiencing any pain yet, I might add, <laughs> who maybe, you know, aren't th that interested in those kinds of distinctions or those kinds of, what is it, you know, details, I guess is what it is. So, you know, we really kind of, you know, try to make sure we kind of think about more about how your body moves through space and, you know, how, what is it that you're doing in your daily life that's causing your back pain? What are you doing in your daily life that is making that hip be quirky? You know, so I think I think the typical client is somebody who wants to work on things. You know, I want to improve this kind of flexibility. I want to figure out why my hip pops every time I get out of the car. <laughs> you know, things like that, things like that. And certainly for you, for that scoliosis. Right. So, you know, sometimes sometimes scoliosis, you don't even know you have it your entire life. And other people have pain that is associated with it. And it can be quite it can be quite serious. And so you kind of have to make sure that all of those muscles that are around around your curve and that are throwing the other muscles off uh, kind of complement because, you know, we can't we can't fix the, the carpentry. Right. You know, the, the bones are the bones. That's it. But um, we can try to improve all of the muscles around it and improve uh, the muscle, the uh, movement patterns so that those muscles are better supported. That's a great answer. Thank you. You know, you've expressed that you view Goldline as a wellness hub. Yes. Uh, where people can kind of train, they can recharge, they can improve themselves. So how do you think Pilates achieves that goal? And how do you use it personally to improve your own health and well-being? Well, you know, I'm a big fan. And the one of the big reasons I opened the studio is that I'm a big fan on the connection, you know, the personal connection, you know. 
I think that having someone work with you one-on-one and work with you uh, on specific challenges is really important. You know, I have a lot of clients that I've seen one, two, three, even four times a week for five, six, seven years. So it's really, I know their bodies. I know what they can do. I know what they've worked on. I know what they look like previously. And I think that kind of personal connection is really, really important in Pilates where you're kind of working towards some kind of goal. Now, if you have a good instructor and you just want to come once every whatever, you know, I think you do get benefits from Pilates for sure. I mean, any exercise that you kind of engage is going to have benefits, but really kind of working with one person over uh, one-on-one where you can really work on those specifics is a big deal. What kind of consistency do you think you, you'd recommend for someone that wanted to, do, like you said, improve their condition? Uh, what kind of consistency, consistency is required? You know, the consistency is really important. So making sure that you kind of keep to the schedule. I always joke, James, that the hardest part about Pilates is carving out that hour, you know. <laughs> you know, it always just seems that health and wellness, when you start to get busy, it's the first thing to go right out the window. So, you know, just making sure that you take that time to yourself, carve out that hour or those two hours to really spend time on your body and make sure that you feel good and healthy and well inside your own body. And, you know, that's something, again, with the private Pilates that I feel is really, really important is that, you know, I'm I'm there to make sure when you're interacting with me that the interaction is meaningful, you know. So I'm making sure that I'm providing you what you need but that for your body, but I also want to provide you what you need for that alone time by yourself, that dedicated time to yourself. So, you know, sometimes that means that I'm going to be an easy, calming and comforting presence, or I might yell at you like your coach from football, you know. So it's just, I, I really think it's important to make sure that, you know, the time spent is a quality interaction between the two of us to kind of deliver what you need at that moment. And I really just want everyone to walk out of Goldline Pilates to feel like they had an hour well spent and they feel energized, maybe a little relaxed, maybe a little tired, and but ready to take on the world. Just like when you took a giant leap and decided to sail around the world, you became a small business owner and opened up your studio in 2016. When you look back at when you started the studio, what were some of the biggest challenges that you had to overcome and what kept you going on or what kept you going during that period? Sure. Well, you know, like anybody who starts a business or owns their own business, staffing is always a big concern. I tell you, you ask any small business owner in any industry, in any town, in any place in the world, and they're going to say, you know, staffing is an issue. You know, the studio is mine, the business is mine. So obviously I, you know, I treat it really, really carefully. It's my, it's my baby, right? So, and I don't expect my staff to be as invested as I am. Obviously it's my baby, but um, at the same time, you know, I expect my staff to be as respectful and as competent and as compassionate as I am to the clients. You know what I mean? So that is, um, that's, that's a challenge. Staffing is a challenge for sure. And, uh, and of course continues to be a challenge in the post COVID. Well, I don't know. Are we technically post COVID? I'm not really sure. <laughs> but other than that, you know, um, Things like trying to get the word out, you know, at the beginning, it's mostly just me and uh, I'm kind of performing all the functions and wearing all of the hats, running the schedule, doing all of the accounting, delivering all of the sessions. I was mopping the floor and I was scrubbing the toilets as well. So um, you got to love it. (laughs) Yes, you do. How did you initially build up your client base and attract fellow instructors since you said that staff was such staffing was such a big issue? How did you attract kind of fellow instructors that kind of shared the same mindset? You know, I did a couple of things. I mean, for the overwhelming way that I have built up my clientele is word of mouth, you know, and to just try to provide the highest quality service that I possibly can. You know, I think that my clients tell their friends to come see me or, you know, when people say, you look great, your shoulders are back, you look thinner, you look taller. The last time I saw you, your shoulders were slumping and your neck was strained. You know, what happened? What's changed? And, you know, my clients tell people, you should go see Melissa. You know, she's really helped me. She's really sorted me out. I understand so much more about my body and I just feel better better. 
So uh, the word of mouth has been a really, that's been one of the, the biggest ways that I built up the clientele and really built up the studio to a really thriving community. Um, for staff, it can be a little more challenging. I have, you know, because I've worked with so many Pilates um, instructors and been in the community for a long time, you know, I called people that I know and respect. And I said, you know, if you're interested in coming on, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to uh, discuss the, uh, the possibilities. And um, I've done a couple of advertising gigs and things like this, but um, mostly it's all just kind of been world, word of mouth kind of stuff. And the importance of word of mouth. Yeah. Right. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show was when COVID happened, driving around the city. And the first thing I noticed when I drove down Arroyo once was that you had a big tent down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then that's why I started following you on Instagram and learning more about your kind of online classes or uh, your outdoor classes, I should say. And from what you've shared, you know, the outdoor shift that you had to do was successful. Uh, you were able to kind of get through the per that period. You know, can you walk us through a little bit kind of what was going on? when we first went on to lockdown last year and then kind of how you made that transition to outdoor classes. Sure. Sure. Well, um, wow. It feels like a lifetime ago, huh? It does. <laughs> this really does. I'm like, how does the past year feel so simultaneously long, but also short? <laughs> it's very strange. What a weird time I know that we've been through, but you know, so when the virus was really starting to kick up, I started to see the writing on the wall pretty, pretty quickly. And I thought to myself, you know, if this thing is as um, as contagious and as, um, you know, as as vast as they predict it's, it's going to be, my industry is going to be hit really hard. You know, so I think that, you know, that was an important realization right from the get go to be like, look, you know, this virus has particular um, characteristics that are going to affect me disproportionately than other industries. So I thought to myself, yeah, we need to kind of get that going. You know, I'm not the kind of person to be like, well, my the, my opinion on any given topic is steeped in how it will affect me. So I tried to really be as open-minded as I could and be like, um, you know, this means that my business will be severely negatively impacted, but I'm still going to, you know, I'm still going to trust the science and I'm still going to trust the experts. And even though I'm negatively impacted, I am just going to have to go with it. You know, it's kind of kind of bad luck kind of bad luck. But, you know, my mom always taught me that you have two choices in life. You can be part of the problem or you can be part of the solution. And I guess at that point I thought, well, you know, I'm a grown up and nobody promised me a rose garden, but I am going to be part of the solution. So I closed that weekend. I guess it was maybe, I don't know, March the 12th, 2020 or so. It was a really hard time, but honestly, it wasn't a hard decision, James. Honestly, I just thought, you know, I got to do what's right for the community. And if somebody got the virus in my place of business, it would be difficult for me to psychologically recover, especially if the worst happened. And I just thought, you know, I just I can't take that risk. I can't risk it. I mean, some of it was kind of selfish. I just thought, you'll have to check me into a hospital or something. I'm not sure I could recover. So I was like, okay, so we're going to go with this and close up shop and kind of try to regroup. And then, of course, we had more bad luck. You know, we had a, a, yet again the hottest summer on record again. Then everything was on fire and then the smoke blotted out the sun. <laughs> I think there was an earthquake in there as well. I just thought, when are the locusts coming? I don't understand. So so that was a little rough too. That was actually kind of a low point for me, you know, kind of that um, between the fires and then, you know, some people in our community going home for the holidays and, you know, spreading the virus farther. That was, that was kind of a low point for me. But at some point, I just thought the science around the virus is looking more clear. You know, the ventilation is clearly the issue you know, how, you know, how much virus is in the air indoors where you are, things like this. And I thought, oh, 
you know, that's good news for me. We could move outside and I feel confident that I could open something that is that is safe and great, which is super. So I um, talked to my lovely neighbors at Town and Country Party and Event Rental. Oh, they're so terrific. Always so supportive of me, which is great. And they're like, yeah. Let's pitch a tent. Let's open a Pilates studio in the parking lot. Sounds great. So I, uh, you know, put up a tent and put down some indoor-outdoor carpet, and I bought a generator so that I could uh, have some power and uh, run some fans and a couple of other, you know, electronics and put up a gate. And, you know, we took all of the equipment outside at a, you know, highly insured because it's very expensive equipment. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we just opened outside and just kind of went for it. You know, we're just trying to I was just trying to, you know, think about, um, you know, every contingency that could possibly go and every opportunity I would have to, like, you know, make it more approachable and make it more aesthetic and make it better. And, you know, it turned out pretty great. We're recording this show on June 19th. So, so just just days after a lot of restrictions have been lifted on the 15th. And before we started recording, you mentioned that there's big news about outdoor classes, which is there are no more outdoor classes. That's it. I'm closing up the tent tomorrow morning. Very nice. So when people <laughs> listen to this, their tent will be gone completely. You'll be back to indoor classes, which is I'm sure you're very excited about. What's, I am especially about the weather. Boy. Oh, yes. The timing is very is, is perfect. What's the scorcher today? Scorcher. <laughs> So what has been the reaction from your staff and clients on this reopening? And and how do you see Goldline operating for the rest of the year? Yeah, good question. You know, I mean, it's just been such a weird transitional time. You know, it's like, I feel like last weekend, you know, we're wearing masks, we're being super careful. And then suddenly on Tuesday, it's like, Hooray! Virus is vanquished. You know, Pasadena one, virus zero. We win. <laughs> so it has been a bit of an odd. So many things are up in the air. So many odd transitions. I do think you know a lot of my clients are having a little bit of PTSD about taking off the mask. You know, is it safe? There's variants everywhere. Still a lot of super, you know, bad news about the virus out there. Luckily, L.A. County is doing great. City of Pasadena, I'm proud of our community for, you know, getting this thing under control. But I do think um, I do think a lot of my clients are ready for some normalcy. You know, it's you know, it's re- it's time to go inside. Um, the vaccines are working well. We seem to have a nice, good process to um, try to, um, you know, keep the virus at bay. And I think a lot of people are already ready to go back inside. Supporting your local community seems to be very important to you. How do you think we can best support community focused businesses like yours in our city? Sure. Yeah, I love Pasadena. You know, my husband is from here. He was born at Huntington Hospital. He went to Polytechnic all the way through from K to 12. You know, I I love it here. When we came back from overseas, we were like, you know what? We left from Pasadena. We went all the way around the world and we landed back in Pasadena. And it's a great thing. We're super, you know, super happy about it. Super happy to be part of the community and, you know, re-engage with old friends and um, make a whole bunch of new ones as well, which has been great. So I think I think typically, you know, the short answer to, you know, support, you know, a, a small business and other small businesses around town is to just really buy local and buy small as often as you possibly can. I mean, I think I think a lot of people think that they favor local businesses. But if you took a long, hard look at your purchasing habit habits, you know, even like make a list, make a spreadsheet. You, you know, a lot of people would be surprised how many, you know, Amazon and chain, uh, large chain per- purchases they've actually made. So that's I think that's the biggest issue to kind of support small businesses around town, especially since we've had a hard year. So, you know, now is the time to really rally. I think the other issue is a lot of consumers tend to kind of hold small businesses to a different standard than they would hold for a chain purchase. And, you know, I mean, people walk up to Equinox and they, you know, plop down their credit card and make significant purchases at that gym. But, you know, a lot of times people come to my place, which is high quality product, you know, super competent instruction, 
top of the line equipment, excellent location, free surface parking. So all of those things that, you know, Equinox also has to offer, but I offer as a, as a real neighbor, as in the, as a person in the community. And I often get asked for things like, you know, discounts or, you know, special treatment or, you know, some sort of other demand. And sometimes it really irks me. I got to tell you, you know, it's just like, you know, I'm a member of the community. I could be your neighbor. So why is it that you would ask these things of me and not ask those things of a nameless, faceless corporation that has a, you know, a huge stock price and answers to stock stockholders? So sometimes that's a little something too. I think, you know, making sure that you're always trying to always trying to buy local, but also treating your local purchases as professionally as you would any other purchase. I think that's a really interesting point. And something that I hadn't really thought about, but anyone that's worked in a restaurant or in retail has a story about some, someone coming in and asking for a discount or, or like you said, treating small businesses differently. I've worked in retail before, and I've worked for a kind of a big store that was kind of like a regional REI back east. And I worked for a couple of small uh, bike shops. And yeah, you'd, you'd have customers come in and they're like, oh, well, can I have a discount? And it's like, you know, this is people's livelihoods. It's just supporting your community. It's supporting a lot of families, you know, that and we have to make we have to make money. Right. And I'm not asking for a handout, James. I you know, I deliver a quality service, you know, and uh, and by the way, it's you know it's cheaper than Equinox, and I pay my staff better than Equinox. So you know, you just kind of think, um, you know, it's just a funny disconnect, isn't it? It is. It is, and I think it's a really interesting point. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. Do you think that we encourage people enough to start their own businesses or to grow their existing businesses? I have mixed opinions. I really do. I think yes and no. I mean, I think that a lot of Pasadena's landlords and of course, real estate developers are really into getting into the deep pockets of the chains and the corporations and the venture capital and all of that. And um, of course, I'll never be able to compete with that. You know, that's just not going to be in the cards. I, you know, I don't have money and power and influence. So I'm just going to lose out in those kinds of (laughs) scenarios. So, which is fine. You know, I, I make my way, but you know, even so, but I just kind of think that, you know, if we continue with those kinds of priorities, we kind of remove the charm and the, the appeal of the local flavor of Pasadena. You know, I'm just not a big fan of the chainification of Pasadena. Look, I, I understand, you know, we need to go buy cheaper, cheap paper towels at Target. I get it. Like everyone has to do that. And, you know, we got to have a Home Depot because we got to go buy the WD-40 and all that. But, you know, first and foremost, we live in Pasadena for a reason. And we like our charming neighborhood and our local flavor. And we need to work hard to preserve that because we could lose it very, very quickly. I think also, you know, it kind of just makes it, it's like a race, you know, to the bottom of kind of homogeneity. You know what I mean? It's just like, do we want Pasadena to just be Applebee's on one corner, Chili's on the other corner, Chipotle on the other corner? You you know what I mean? Like, I, I just think we have so many cool local shops and local pubs and local restaurants. I just would like to keep that flavor. I would like to keep that local flavor. You know, I, I'm from Phoenix. I grew up in in um, in Phoenix, which is quite corporate. Lots of chains and things like that. Lots of strip malls. And I did not enjoy it. You know, just because there's a Chipotle doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it's a uh, a quality location or a good place to, you know, to, to live. <laughs> I just hate that kind of race to the bottom of homogeneity. You know what I mean? I do. The pandemic has prompted a lot of people, prompted a lot of change in their lives. You know, we've thought about, you know, what does work mean? What does health mean? When you think about the future of Goldline, what are you thinking about in terms of like the next year, next three years and beyond? Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, 
you know, it's been a it's been a year. You know, it really has been a year. We've all been kind of shut inside with lots of quiet time to uh, think about our lives. You know, the 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 little things that used to kind of keep us busy and keep our minds occupied were kind of taken away from us, and we were kind of just you know left to sit with ourselves <laughs> for an entire year. And uh, I think a lot of people kind of shifted their priorities. For me and my business in particular, you know, pre-COVID, I had a very successful business. You know, it was uh, a thriving community. It was a financially successful venture. And uh, I was getting ready for I had a massive expansion planned, all kinds of things, you know. And I think probably for the rest of 2021, my goal will just be to really tighten up the studio's core offerings. Um, I'm looking at um, hiring a real marketing firm, which I've never done in the past. It's always just been kind of like me and my laptop and my Instagram account, you know, things like this. So kind of tighten up some of that kind of stuff kind of double down on my value proposition and just really feel like, you know, this is the place to go if you want to work on your body. This is the place where you want to go if you want to heal your body. This is the place to go if you want to understand what Pilates is all about and really work on some of these goals. So I think, you know, just kind of tightening up, circling the wagons, kind of get reset, get the schedule re-going. And then, you know, 2022, I just see it happening. I see it all happening. World domination. Here we come. So, you know, I'm thinking, thinking big again, thinking um, expansion and gold line Pilates two, three, four, not necessarily on the gold line, although we're not calling it the gold line anymore. So I, I uh, apparently my um, studio name is retro now. <laughs> so, so there's that, which I love. So, yeah, but, you know, I, I was really proud of my business on uh, March the 14th, 2020. I'm still really proud of my business. And, you know, I just think I've got huge plans for the future. Has your idea of success changed since before COVID? And what what does success mean for you now, having endured the, the past year and a half? You know, I'm in a little bit of an of a different position as most people, you know, sailing away on a boat and, um, you know, kind of living that life for, you know, six, eight years. My husband and I have had these kinds of conversations in our heads with each other and with ourselves before, you know, nothing like a, a sail across the Pacific Ocean to really think about your priorities. <laughs> so, you know, there, so there's that. But um, I do think that like, you know, it's, it's always nice to get the reminder that like it's experiences over money, it's community over self. My God, if we have learned anything over the past year with a contagious airborne virus that, you know, we have got to start thinking of each other over ourselves for sure. And think about how our own behavior affects other people. We've got to, you know, double down on that idea, really become more of a community and think of others. And, you know, that's been that's been a rough one over the past year. Always things like quality over quantity. You just think, well, you know, I couldn't have Thanksgiving with my family, but you know, the Thanksgiving that I had was wonderful. You know, you know, we were really thankful for what we had. And even though it wasn't the big boisterous party that it always is with all the great food and the football and the such and such, it was a very, you know, intimate and uh, special experience. And that's important to me. You know, we should make that more of a priority. And then just things like, you know, integrity over expediency, you know, just making sure that you're always making the right decision. Don't just do things that are kind of short term and kind of easy. Like, you know, really think about the future, really think about the present and, um, you know, try to feel like you are, you know, like I said, you know, uh, you can choose to be part of the problem or part of the solution. We need to choose more often to be part of the solution. And, you know, just like kindness, it's been a rough year. Treat people with grace. I think a lot of people that work in the restaurant industry are really struggling at the moment. Give them a break, guys. Really, give them a break. You know, if you wait a little longer for your DoorDash, wait a little longer. Things could be much worse, as we've also seen throughout the year. There are 600,000 dead Americans. So I think, you know, it's, it's really important. We need to think about, you know, how crazy and how busy and how chaotic our lives were in March of 2020. We took a cup, we took a, you know, 16 months off, whatever it is. But now, you know, let's not just slip back into all of these 
bad habits and, you know, the same kind of chaos. Like, let's learn our lesson from this. It's funny because you're saying all that and, it, and I appreciate every word that you, you've shared. I went to, to Romans to pick up tomorrow's Father's Day. So I went to Romans to pick up uh, Father's Day cards. And there was an issue with one of the cards. They couldn't find the price. And so they're like, oh, sorry, it's going to take a couple minutes. We've tracked down the, the price. And I was starting to get kind of frustrated being like, you know, why is this taking so long? And it made me think about like, this is the first time, I mean, for me, this has been the first time I've been in Romans for a year and a half. Why was I getting so frustrated? <laughs> right. Exactly. We cannot fall back into these bad habits. You know, we have to be like, I was in a bookstore around people. This is incredible. Let's enjoy this experience. Absolutely. So I think your your words are really ring true. So I appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Pilates is all about controlled strength and balance. As an instructor who inspires others and motivates others, how do you find the balance you need personally? And then what inspires you? Sure. You know, it's a really good question. You know, trying to find balance in your life is is hard. And, you know, that sounds like a silly thing. It sounds like new age hooey, but it really is a big deal. And it really is a big deal to make sure that you find quiet time to yourself in the middle of a chaotic day and to just kind of take a minute to, you know, remember what's important. And I guess, you know, for me personally, it's also quite challenging because, you know, I, I, I love my studio and I love the business that I've created. And sometimes that makes me want to say yes to everything. It makes me want to work harder than I should. It makes me want to, you know, dig in deeper. And sometimes uh, what my husband always says is, uh, can't we just take a minute and just cheer for the success that we've had? Why can't we just call it a victory and, you know, celebrate it for one minute? And that's really what I've been working on post-pandemic as well. You know, pre-pandemic, you know, instructor Melissa and business owner Melissa would have just been like, go, 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 go. You want Sunday morning at six? I'm there. I'm there for you. I'm doing it. You want Thursday afternoon? You want Thursday evening at 9 p.m.? Done. I'm there. So learning how to say no has really, and set some boundaries between my personal life and my business life, has uh, has helped me quite a lot. And it's still a struggle every day. I mean, I'm in the service industry and I want to help people and I believe in the service that I provide, which means I want to give it to you. <laughs> and it's hard for me to say, it's really hard for me to say no. It's really hard for me to say no, because I want you to come in and experience it and benefit it and benefit from it and enjoy it. But, you know, I have to be like, look, I'm not doing anyone any good if I am tired or run down or, um, I don't know, say standing in a tent in 100 degree weather for 12 hours. <laughs> so it is important to that's that's the balance that I'm trying to find at the moment. And it's it's really important to try to find the one that will you know affect your own balance as well. I'm sure there's a lot of pressure on you as instructors. A lot of people are very excited about exercising or doing any kind of uh, movement. But then there are other people that are, are doing it because they need to, and they're not super psyched to do it. And so you kind of have to balance that, right? You have to kind of go 150% to get them up to 100. I'm sure it takes a lot of energy out of you. And so I'm glad that you, you do take the, the time. Pasadena is filled with some incredible women-owned businesses. What advice would you give an aspiring young woman who was just starting out? Well, I think a couple of things, you know, be ready to work hard. The first year, first two years, sometimes even first three years is um, is difficult. You're working a lot. And of course, like I said, you feel committed to it and uh, you want to make it a go. And sometimes you can be frustrated because your staff isn't as committed as you are. But, you know, it's OK. You know, your commitment is good enough and your passion is good enough. Um, you know, take ownership, but, um, you know, learn to delegate. This is something that I've struggled with in the past <laughs> where, you know, I can't deliver all the sessions. You know what I mean? It's got to uh, I've got to trust other people to be as passionate and to be as competent as I am. And I've struggled with that for a long time. And um, I think I'm I think I'm doing better. I think I'm doing better. Um, I think 
one of the pitfalls that I ran into as a as a first year business owner in particular is that I would find that my highs were really high and my lows were really low. So, you know, be proud of your successes. But you know what? If it's not totally successful or even if it's a non-success, don't take it personally. You know, I just think I would kind of go from day to day where I had one client that was super happy. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I would be flying high. And then I have another client that's like, well, I don't get it. And my back hurts. And I guess I'll come next week, but I'm not super jazzed. And then my uh, mood would, you know, go through the floor. And I just think, you know what? It's okay. You have a lot of opportunities to try to make it work. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And it's okay. It's okay. So, you know, I just think kind of just put one foot in front of the other. Learn, grow, adapt is a huge one. You know, if something isn't working, change it, drop it, give it a good chance and make sure that it's not going to go and it's not something else. But if it doesn't work, get rid of it, really, you know, and then if something's working really well, boy, replicate that like crazy, you know, and these sound like, you know, easy, easy pieces of advice. Hard. I think it's real hard. (laughs) You know, it's difficult to know the difference difficult not to be personally affected by things in your own business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great advice. As we close out, Goldline Pilates is located at 501 South Arroyo Parkway. Uh, Check out their website for their class schedule, which is now all indoors. And and get in touch with Melissa and her staff. (laughs) You have an incredible story and a philosophy to life and business that really makes Goldline so successful and so special. Thank you for being such a great part of Pasadena and for being so generous with your time. I really appreciate it. Fantastic, thanks for having me. Again, my many thanks to Melissa for coming on the show. If you're interested in learning more about Goldline Pilates, please visit them at goldlinepilates.com and follow them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Yelp. Occasionally on Instagram, one of Goldline's instructors does live sessions and these don't require equipment. So check it out. And thank you for listening. If you're a business owner or community leader and want to share your story, please let me know as I'd love to learn more about you and have you on the show. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing so that you don't miss an episode. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Casts. Thank you, Jason, for the suggestion and Breaker. If you have a moment, please rate and review the show so that others can find it. I would love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. You can reach me at james at crowncitypodcast.com and follow me on Instagram at crowncitypodcast. You've been listening to the Crown City Podcast. And until next time, please remember to stay well, stay positive, and as always, see you around town.